God is the God of people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of bondage. You shall have no other God but me. Amen. You shall not make for yourself any idol. You shall not invoke with malice the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day. You 
to be God to you and to your offspring after you. God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, she shall not you shall not call her Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her.
prepared the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of all of us, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of God, in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations. According to what was said, so numerous shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him labor concerning the promise of God, but he gave strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore his faith, his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness, now the words, it was written to him, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him who raised Jesus, our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. The word of the Lord.
disciples that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd of his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what would profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Then Jesus told the disciples that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering, be rejected by worldly authorities, be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this plainly and openly, no confusing parable or request for secrecy, just plain, stark, direct truth. Rejection, suffering, death, and rising again. That is his reality.
One reading of that is that he's rebuking the disciples. But I think he's making an observation about himself. Human and divine. He's the one person in the history of the entire world who knows both of those realities. So Jesus understands what it means to be fully human. And he knows that these human things are very real. Fear, grief, anxiety, disease, addiction, loneliness, betrayal. Jesus knows that this life, this earthly life, is full of pain. And he knows that pain is only mitigated by love. He loves his friends, his disciples, even as he knows that they will abandon him in their human fear, in their brokenness. He loves us and gives himself over to the pain and suffering and death that is the human reality, so that in his death, death for all of us and for our loved ones is forever transformed into love and new life. His cross, his cross, is a cross of life, a cross of hope, even when we can only see it very far off on the horizon. In this season of Lent, what we're doing, if we're paying attention, is we are walking with Jesus toward Jerusalem, where that cross is. And as we do that, we are aware of the loss and the grief in our world and in our own lives. The reality of our human fragility and mortality is relentlessly on display in the news, in the tragic and violent ways we seem to tolerate as a society. And it's also on display in the deaths and the illnesses and the diagnoses we struggle with in our own lives. In times like these, the Christian message of hope in the resurrection, which is the foundation of our faith, is a light on the horizon. But it might be a distant light for some of us. Even in today's reading, did anyone else hear this? What Jesus said was, the Son of Man must undergo great suffering, be rejected by the religious authorities, and be killed. And, after three days, rise again. After three days, rise again. Peter didn't hear that part. We often cannot hear that part. We may not be ready to hear that resurrection news. And we also know that even if we can hear the words, three days can actually be a really long time. Three days is a lifetime when waiting for biopsy results. Three days feels like forever sitting watched in the ICU, praying for a loved one to regain consciousness. Three days is a very long time to sit shiva for someone who has died. So while we may know this good news 
here in our head, a lot of time we're not there yet. When we are grieving or afraid or disillusioned, the Easter cross may be somewhere on the edge of our vision over here. Or maybe we've completely turned our backs on it. That's okay. During Lent, we are all on the road to Jerusalem, walking in the reality of our lives toward that horizon. Some of us are hopeful and happy, but many of us are tired and sad, hopeless or grieving. But we all walk with what we have and at the pace that we can manage. The important part is that we walk together and that we remember that Jesus goes before us, carrying the cross that will be his death and our new life. That horizon never disappears. Resurrection is always there. In the second part of today's gospel, Jesus tells the disciples and all of us that to follow him is to change our perception of what life is actually about. He says, deny yourself. Deny your own expectations and assumptions about the way the world works, your self-absorbed longings, your fears of mortality, your preoccupation with things that don't really matter, your lack of passion for others, your preoccupations with stuff, prestige, status. He says, deny those things shed those things and take up real life. Real life. Take up the cross of real life. Your created, finite, human life, which is a life of risk, a life of love. He says, embrace a life in which your heart will break in grief at the death of friends and family. A heart which will explode with love at the birth of a child. A life that can actually face death because I am with you. Jesus says, I am here in all of it with you and I know how painful it can be because I experienced the pain and the suffering of loss and grief abandonment and death. And because of that, I know that it is too much for anyone to bear alone. So I came to share it and bear it with you. Take up that life in me and follow me, for that is the true human condition. You are part of me and I am in you. Your life is with me now and for all eternity. My friends, that is Jesus' invitation as we walk toward the cross.
presiding bishop, for Alan and Gail, our bishops, for this gathering, and for all ministers and people. Pray for the church. I ask your prayers for peace, for goodwill among nations, and for the well-being of all people. Pray for justice and peace. I ask your prayers for the poor, the sick, the hungry, the oppressed, and those in prison. Pray for those in any need or trouble. I ask your prayers for all who seek God or a deeper knowledge of God. Pray that they may find and be found by God. I ask your prayers for the departed, remembering especially those we name now, either silently or aloud. Pray for those who have died. Remember those for whom we have been asked to pray. Al, Janet, Molly, Aurelie, Madeline, Catherine, Bill, Susie and Victor, Tom and Mary, Rod and Pam, Barbara, Susan, Richard, Tom, Jude, Hank, Peter, Bill, Rick, Cub, Don, Steve, Jack, Zoe, David, Sherry, Joan, Nancy, Huey, Edith, Joan, Ellie, Kirsty, Edie. Are there others? Pray for those for whom we love and care. I invite your prayers, thanksgivings, and intercessions at this time, either silently or aloud. Praise God for those in every generation in whom Christ has been honored. Pray that we may have grace to glorify Christ in our own day. Lord Jesus Christ, you said to your apostles, Peace I give to you, my own peace I leave with you. Regard not our sins with the faith of your church, and give to us the peace and unity of that heavenly city, where with the Father and the Holy Spirit you live and reign now
understand, to remind my sisters and brothers in the old jail that we will be having tea together at Sarah Sanford's house in Academy Lane next Saturday at 3.30. I'm going to invite those of you who might just have been thinking that it might be sort of cool to join this crazy band of ours, which does such good work. Come to the team and talk at me, ask all sorts of questions, and have a good time. And knowing Sally, as well as I do, the food is going to be sensational. 3.30 on Saturday, more available than those of you. What do you think about it? Good morning. I'm Arthur Walker, and uh, I will call your attention to something already in the bulletin, so I don't need to spend an extra breath going into extra detail. But the World Day of Prayer will be held uh, on uh, this uh, coming Friday, March 2nd, at uh, West Concord Union Church. And this is always a uh, joyful and reflective uh, event. And, uh, the World Day Prayer celebrates a different country and culture every year. This year it will be Suriname. So if you want to know about Suriname and what they eat there and how they worship and their culture, come to the World Day Prayer at West Concord Union Church at 10 a.m. next week. Thank you. A couple things about next week. Bishop Dale Harris will be with us next week. She'll be with us for the 9 o'clock forum, and at 9 o'clock she's hoping that she will have a chance to meet and talk with a large chunk of our community. So come at 9. There is Legos and lunch for the kids at 9 o'clock and nursery care. 10 o'clock service, she will be preaching and celebrating. After that, she will be having a lunch with um, the vestry and the staff um, and a few of her neighbors. So come and enjoy that visit with Bishop next Sunday. Um, and then Sunday afternoon, we come back to Ethan's song, 5 o'clock, uh, prelude, concert, and song, um, evening prayer. Oh, we love the way for us to worship And finally, Robert Barnes has been away last week and this week, and we've had Dimitri on the bench. Thank you, Dimitri, for the music.
right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who was tempted in every way as we are, yet did not sin. By his grace we are able to triumph over every evil, and to live no longer for ourselves alone, but for him who died for us and rose again. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name.
knowing that all are welcome at God's table.
In the name of this congregation, I send you forth, Mary, and these holy gifts, that those to whom you go may share with us in the communion of Christ's body and blood. We who are many are one body, because we all share This your family, Lord, with your never-failing mercy, that relying solely on the help of your heavenly grace, they may be upheld by your divine protection through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you this day and always.